everyone. So as a financial planner, I help people figure out how to get the most out of their money through lowering taxes, investing smartly, and maximizing your equity comp and having a plan. But nothing fuels your financial independence like negotiating for higher compensation in the first place. And sometimes a 30-minute conversation can change the course of your financial life. And it is not just your salary that is up for negotiation. Equity comp, how many days you're in the office, going on an extended career break, all of these things are up for negotiation too. And just as a personal story, I was a couple of years into my career at one of the big tech companies in Silicon Valley. And I wanted to take a year off to travel around the world with my now wife and work on a passion project. And I assumed that I would have to quit if I wanted to travel around the world for a year. But a colleague actually convinced me that I might as well try to negotiate, which I was scared to do. But I prepared and I had the conversation. I was successful. So that was just a really huge lesson for me. But I know that as a woman, a person of color, as an LGBTQ individual, I get how negotiation can be in an uncomfortable conversation when you're used to having a fight just to get a seat at the table. So that is why today I invited Kimberly Aguilera, founder of Zocalo, which is a recruiting firm guiding careers and helping clients build their businesses. And her focus is um, helping folks in marketing, communications, and product, and helping uh, clients um, with candidates who are values aligned. So thank you, Kimberly, so much. Kimberly, well, just a little more intro for her. Kimberly is a recognized leader in the executive search space. She is a dedicated advocate for advancing communities of color and workforce equity. She is a hands-on matchmaker who understands the needs of both companies and candidates. And I love this fact. 85% of her placements to date have been filled by people of color, LGBTQ plus individuals, and members of other underrepresented groups, which is awesome. So thanks, Kimberly, for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Cool. Well, my first question I have is just like, why is it important for women, LGBTQ plus individuals mm -hmm. and people of color to negotiate? It is important because I think a lot of us grow up with a certain way of of taking like what we are offered, like we're lucky to have what we have. It's we're all very much like blood of us are first generation and very much are just like in the thankful, you know, like we, we earned it, but that's good. Don't push. Don't like, you know, don't disrupt things. But when I got into executive recruiting, I was astonished by how much people asked for and how far they pushed it. And I just didn't know that this is actually the norm. And I have, I have this like joke that none of, I mean, it's like I tell people, I'm like, pretend like you're a white male. Like they ask for everything and they get it. And that's, that's why people move up. So, you know, I think like I always like wish for the stars and you're so you'll get something like, you know, in between, but if we don't ask, we'll never know. And then, you know, everybody else is doing it. I love that advice. Um, yes. Think like, Oh, white male <laughs> I tell myself I tell myself that sometimes too <laughs> I have to as well I'm like no 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 stand in your power you deserve yeah. this yeah that's awesome okay so imagine you are talking to a candidate who has gone through the interview rounds and is awaiting an offer or maybe they've already gotten an offer what would you tell them well first of all congratulations I think so many people rush through these processes or just are so 
stress through the process of, of interviewing and getting to an offer. And I think we forget to like just celebrate our wins. Like getting an offer is tough, especially in this market. There's not a lot of big roles open and there's a lot of competition for them. So just, you know, celebrate a little bit, be happy for yourself, like live in that for a moment. But also think about why you started your search in the first place, or maybe if you weren't searching, why you accepted the conversation. Just lean back on like what's important for you in the role. Um, Make sure it's the right role, like the title, the leveling, all of that. And then in the offer, just remember where you are. Like remember when you set like, this is my salary, you know, want, where is it? How does it feel now? Cause it always, you can always say it, but like, you don't ever actually know until like the offers in your hands, you're reading through it and you're like, how does it actually feel? Like if you started day one and you took this offer, would you feel like, damn, I should have asked for something for more or like, how am I ever going to grow from this level? So you really want to feel comfortable and set up, you know, like celebrated in that offer. So think about all the things that are important, the base, your vacation days, like everything, does it feel good? And you can just, you can actually push on all of it. So like, just think about like where, how it feels, what would feel a little better and what, what wouldn't feel right? Because if the offer doesn't feel right, it's okay. You can say no. And, you know, sometimes, like I say, like in interviewing, it can also just validate where you are and that you want to stay. And that's not a bad thing. People do it. It happens. You know, yes, a lot of time energy goes into the search and it's unfortunate, but don't, it's your life. It's not anybody else's life. It is you have to live with this day to day. So if you say no, if you took the job and you would have regretted leaving that last place because sometimes you have to think about where the company is. Is it about to IPO and you're really going to leave and leave leave things on the table or, you know, so you just have to take think about it in a, a big, a big decision. You know, these are big, big decisions like changing your job, buying a home, you know, moving, you know, choosing a partner. Those are like, these are all your biggest decisions in life. So be really thoughtful with it and take your time. Like don't feel pressured. You usually have about a week. Okay. Got it. That's helpful. Okay. So let's say I am this candidate. I've gotten an offer and I'm like, I don't know. Sounds okay. But I'm like, okay, I, I've just listened to Kimberly. She says I should just try to ask. Okay. How would I, how would I know what to even ask for? Like, how would I know what the upper limit of what an offer should be to know what I should be trying to ask for <clears throat> what I'm worth? So I know that you have a global audience, but me, I'm a bit localized in San Francisco, New York, and LA. And both in California and New York, we now have, and just figure out your local laws, but we have to post the salary band on the job description now. And I believe it's like, yeah, so like where the tech, where the company is based of wherever they post it, they have to like put that salary band. So if it's an LA, California company, they have to post it for global roles as well. But so you can see on the job description now, it has to be on there. Typically, if it says you, there's about 10% above what's posted for like to have some like wiggle room or negotiation room for big tech companies and maybe even more sometimes with tech companies, there's just so much money in there, but it depends. So I would typically there's a little bit more 
but I would really use your network to, to, to dig around like anybody, you know, there, and just, you have to understand their leveling. So you have to know like, what level is it? Sometimes it's like the director, their number levels or whatever. Every, every company is different and just try to get in there and get some, some info. You can use the internet to try to find, it's not always reliable. And, but like, that's why you should have a really good recruiter because even if they didn't get you the job, a good recruiter will still say, yeah, of course, I'm going to help. You know, we are gatekeepers. We have a lot of information. So we really want to help people advance. So we'll try to find the info for you. Like, for instance, I have a lot of recruiters inside tech companies and I ask them, I'm like, hey, can you help me help this candidate? And people want people to advance. So I would just do due diligence using your network and trusted confidants in, in the industries, shared industries. So how has the environment of compensation changed? You know, we're in the last, I mean, especially now, right? We're, we're talking about this at the end of 2023, going into 2024. And maybe you can talk about this from the standpoint of these mega tech companies, as well as maybe some of the smaller private, you know, companies. Yeah. So overall, I would say that the funny money is gone, but I should preface that I have moved away from like the huge tech companies, like working with like Apple and Meta to, you know, more private or, or VCs that are nonprofit. But I talk to people all the time, but I have, a, you know, this is what I do all day long. There's just, there was just really crazy money going around, <laughs> but so it's changed. There's just less roles open. We've all seen the layoffs. <clears throat> I think the bands stay truer to where they are. I don't, it hasn't, they haven't lowered, but they haven't raised in the past three years. I, I don't believe for the senior roles and negotiating. You can still negotiate because I don't, it hasn't really changed the, the negotiation tools because actually it's hard. It's talent. People, internal talent, people are inundated with resumes now. So like, once they, when getting through like hundreds and hundreds of resumes, it's, it is a horrible job. <laughs> it is so, it is to go through them and like, you know, there's just the wrong people are applying. It's, a, it really takes a lot of time. So like, once you even get to the offer, it is a big thing. So they don't want to lose you. So, but I wouldn't use it in, you know, in a untrustful way, but I would you still have negotiating power at, at the offer stage, but yeah, there's just like not the, no, they're not throwing money around. So there's less wiggle room on the money and more like you'd have to go for like vacation days or, or, you know, other things that are important to you, flexibility in the workplace. But even I see those, I do see most companies increasing days in office if they already have a hybrid working schedule. Hmm. Okay. That's helpful to know. I don't know yeah. if you have any idea, like what is a standard do you think in terms of the number of days of office if it's, if it's a hybrid? Two to three, yeah. And then I, I'm hearing three to four. Doesn't sound very hybrid yeah, yeah. anymore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and even I had, I have one big VC that they were very much completely remote, but now they're hiring around their HQs and really mm -hmm. want people in office. So, I mean, you know, there are the, the tech companies that are completely remote that I, that I haven't heard that changing, but... Yeah, I've even, like, you know, Meta over here in New York is asking people to get in mm -hmm. a bit more often. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. <clears throat> when you're negotiating, how should you think think about cash versus equity? 
So this is very individualized. You know, I think at a certain point in my life, I could have been like all equity, you know, and taken a very, very a low base and just been like, oh, this is it. Like, I really believe that the equity is going to pay off here. And now I have two kids. I would never take the equity. <laughs> I'd be like, I need the, you know, I need the, the base. So you just have to make sure that it's, it, I would talk to your financial, your accountant, your financial advisor and get some, you know, that's why Jenny's here and really <laughs> figure out like wh- where is your, no, seriously, but like where, where can you flex and where can't you and what does this look like in the long term and like what is really understanding what the upside is. I think a lot of people have this idea that, oh, equity, equity, equity. But you know what? Billion times zero is zero. So like we all have learned that and the equity piece has really hurt a lot of people in the past years. So I just understand like the benefits and and the risks and make a decision that's right for you, but get advice. And I think if people can see like this whole thing is like get advice, like, you know, like athletes have like trainers for like five days a week. Like we all are professionals and need a lot of, of resource and support. So that's why... We ha- there, there are a lot of professionals out there that can help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah, I agree. Especially on this one. This is so important, like trying to figure out how, how to get, how much to get paid. When it comes to equity and cash, would it be true to say that there's usually more flexibility to negotiate on the equity side or is that not, not true? I think there is, especially for senior roles. Yeah, I, I think there is. It, it seems like that's the trend, especially when with cash being a little bit tighter. Yeah, makes sense. About negotiating. So if you were actually going to, co- well, I'm sure you have coached people. What do you actually say? Like, how do you even enter this conversation? You know, in a way that like, obviously it's, it's a sensitive balance, whether you're trying to negotiate a new job or you're trying to negotiate a raise in a current job, you also don't want to piss off the people that you're talking to, right? <laughs> and you want to be respectful. Yes. And so what is, how would you advise to even approach this conversation? Like, what would be the script? Like, yeah, well, so always be very thankful of like the offer and say that, you know, when you get the offer, be very thankful and just say like, hey, this is a, you know, a big decision for me. Please give me, you know, some time. I'll come back to you with my thoughts and set it up that way. So you buy yourself some time. And then like, say, for example, you have an offer. I'll just make it sort of in the middle, like 200K and it comes in at 200 and you really wanted 225. That you can ask. I've seen people ask for like, 275 from 200 and get 250 and like that blew my mind I'm like 275 from 200 that's just so far away you know and and it was clear like everything was like clear up front but I'm telling you people ask for a lot so you know you can that's why I say like sort of shoot for the stars without turning them off it's nice to have recruiters do it because we can like be like hey you know we know how to like have these like middle people conversations but if you're doing on your own I would just say like hey I would absolutely take this at 275 is there you know how does that feel for you I don't want to make this feel unfair or I'm ungrateful but now I'm really having the offer and be able to run all the numbers considering the benefits of where I'm at and where I'll be, blah, blah, blah. You can make a nice, you know, play for it and then see where they come. And then also vacation. I think like four weeks is for executives is minimum now. And then most companies also have like, 
you know, Christmas to New Year's off or some other, you know, like summer, summer Fridays still happens at a lot of organizations. The equity piece and like the vesting piece I've seen be, you know, like zero, like one week, you know, especially for on the tech side, like engineers that because they just like the money got really, really funny for them. <laughs> they would just make it like those offers were huge and there was just nowhere to go with them except be like, OK, well, you're like vesting, you know, you know, your vesting schedule is right down. Um, what else? Yeah, I would just make it just put it all together and just make like a nice note, you know, just like without, you know, making it feel like you're being really greedy and just say like, hey, is how does this feel to you? Let me know. We can talk live or something like that to really like take it on down. And then there's usually some there's usually negotiation. They're going to meet you somewhere. That's or cool. if they're not going to move anything, say, can I can we write in a three month re- review tied to salary? Hmm. OK, so if, if you're cr- if you're crushing it in three months and you put some some measurable pieces in there, then say like, I, re- I want to like percentage 10, 20% increase in that three months, if it's really something and see how they go there. It, it usually, usually they have to write it, you know, they'll, they'll write it in, but you have to like usually chase in three months and be like, Hey, can I get this review? You know, <laughs> if it's not something they're set up for. Yeah. That's a, that's a good idea though. It's kind of out of the box idea to try to yeah. get something to happen. If you really want it, it's also like, you know, every situation is so different. So yes, there is a script, but like each one is just so, so different, you know, especially for executive roles. And when you say like, so if we talk about, I don't know if negotiation, how how it differs, if we're talking about, say, a somebody who's five years out in their career versus somebody who's, you know, 15 years of experience versus somebody who's like at kind of the most senior levels VP and above, like how does the negotiation differ for these three, for these, let's just bucket them into three parts of your career. I think there's less negotiation when you get to the, when you're very, very senior because those packages are just huge. And I think like there's more of like, there's more back and forth, you know, in the first two because once you're like, once you're very senior, you just like ask for it or they give you like a big package. I once placed the CMO at Gap and I was like, oh, well, this package seems like very nice, you know. <laughs> and there was, yeah, there was no negotiation. I think maybe there was more for the relocation that they asked for. And that was like fine, which was like another 10K, which is, you know, there's just like a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but at, at your first, when you're first negotiating, when you first start to be like director level and mm-hmm. above, yeah, there is, there is a lot of back and forth. But I think that's just part of it. You learn like you know, how to communicate, how to manage up, like, you know, how to ask for what you want and, and, and figure out a way to, to get it and like really new use your network. Mm -hmm. I love that. What about negotiating in a current job? So let's say you are working (laughs) in your, you know, you're, you're okay with your job and you find out through back channels that your colleague over there is getting paid 20%, you know, 50, like significantly more, I don't know, whatever, 10% more, whatever it is. Somehow you figure this out, right? And now you're like, wait a minute, I could be worth more. How would you approach mm-hmm. approach like an internal negotiation? <clears throat> well, you have to do it in, you have to figure out what your, 
your schedule is inside. So, you know, figure that out and like make sure you're asking at the right time without like coming about it like out of left field and be like, hey, I heard that, you know, Jenny's making eggs. But like figure out when you know, there's usually like two times a year in a company that that we re- review uh, salaries and really make your case and really start to work towards like having case like case studies or examples or you know like examples of your work and check in with like your manager or whoever is like you know tracking your work to make sure that you can like point to all these things because you don't want them to take the you don't want to like come after something if you're not in good standing because they're gonna be like they're really gonna put the spotlight on you and be like well looks like you haven't performed on this and this and this you know it, it really puts a spotlight on you so make sure that you're ready to and yes you're asking for money but they're gonna go straight to your work and that's that's where that leads to but I th- I think you should say like hey I I believe that we are equitable workplace and this is where I want to be and and know that others are at this level and how can we get there and when can we get there and it's just as easy as that it's just not you know and then like you yes put them be like are you oh so you're saying we're not equitable (laughs) so like (laughs) you really have to like use this court use their corporate jargon on them you know and 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 hopefully it would it would be you know fair but if it's not then you would have to talk to hr and move it from there and make a case for yourself yeah well i love that too i think the way you said it feels fair and reasonable because you're asking them yes. what do I you know if it like I feel like it's equitable what do I have to do to get there and it kind of puts the mm-hmm. onus to have this conversation and then if you deliver they also need to deliver if I was yeah, a manager exactly. and someone said this to me I'd be like okay like this is actually a pro both ways right they get more out of you and you get more out of them right cool. how is negotiation different if at all in public versus private companies so in public companies, there just go back to that. There can be a lot of resource. There can be a lot of, of cash, in private. It you're you're mostly remember I was like okay. There's usually you know some wiggle room on the salary ranges in private and and, and nonprofit. There's no wiggle room, and they're so honest. So I told my like nonprofits, I'm like, actually, don't put the real range. You got to leave some room. I mean, because you know, like you don't want the people to know the exact actual range, but they're just so equitable that, and you know, they're just like, this is where it is. But yeah, so there's you know, there's not going to be any movement on the top salary range in a private company, most likely that they post, and also they usually, if they're a private, very equitable company they're never going to offer you the top of the range because they they're like this is the range for this role and like they you'll probably be in this role a year or two so they want you to have room to grow Mm -hmm. so just they want you to make up some of that money in that range so it's also a bit shocking for candidates um because they're used to like just having a lot of room on on the money um on the salary range um in in public companies, like, I don't know, those ranges are just probably all over the place and they just don't want to lose people and they throw money at people to keep them. So the range like gets completely skewed in private. They really stick to them. And then in 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 public, you know, you have the the equity piece and you're not going to have that in private or, you know, maybe there's something else like a bonus pool. Mm-hmm. And then 
you know, bonuses or something that can exist in both along at what plus equity plus, you know, base. So there's like a lot of levers mm-hmm. in, in, um, public. Got it. Cool. A- and they'll have big benefit packages, you know, so like they can cover all your transportation, they can cover some food, they can cover home office and in private, you're not going to get that, you know, or like, <laughs> continuing education all those sort of things yeah or or they may and you can just like ask for it you know right. just you know it's always you never know until you ask type of thing. right yeah that's helpful what do you do if you are in a fortunate position you're hot stuff and now you've received multiple offers should you tell people this you know how, how do you how can you use that for your advantage Absolutely. Always tell, actually, from the start of your interviewing process at each company, you should say, I'm actively interviewing. So this tracks to them that they may have to pivot or react if if things like heat up on, on your other roles. And this should definitely be communicated. It actually is. It, it, it looks bad and is taken, you know, a bit offensive. They're like, oh, I already have another offer. And you're like, what? I didn't know. I could have, like, staggered all this and set this up better for you. So the more more open that you can be with communication about where you are with interviewing up front is very helpful. I mean, if you end up getting multiple offers all at one time, congratulations. You're a rock star. And I would go, same thing. Go, tell everybody, tell everybody you have, uh, you know, you have the offers and usually sometimes it just depends. You can get one offer, tell people you have offers and then like people, you know, you know, all the, the, uh, um, their authorizations they have to go through. Sometimes they'll take a week to get your offer and you don't have enough time to like really put them all side by side. So really start thinking through the offers as you get them, communicate to other places that you have the offers, but sometimes you only have like one day to think through all three or, or however many one you get at a time, but go back to like, like I said, what's important for you. Look at the offers. If it's like 200, 205, you know, 225, but is that 25 grand, but you know, you're kind of, you know, your quality of life is going to be down your, you know, like it's just what is important for you. You can have a little bit more flexibility. Are you going to be managing people? You're not going to be, you just have to like take all the pieces and go back to what was important to you at the start of your search mm-hmm. and see where they all fill. And sometimes it can just be so easy as like, I'm going to take the highest offer mm-hmm. or maybe like this one, I don't have to go to the office and that's more valuable to me, but, and maybe, and negotiate all of them. <laughs> you should, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> you should, and don't feel bad about it. And yeah, just lean into it. Because if three companies, more than one company wants you, you obviously have a lot of negotiation power, but just yeah. don't do it with humility, you right. know, and with grace. And that just goes the longest way, you know? Yeah. I think humble empowerment, you know? Well, I have a question actually for, I often will work with folks who have kind of maybe non-conventional career paths. Maybe they have taken extended career breaks. Maybe they've taken time off to care for a family. So let's say you're talking to somebody who worked for 15 years and then took five years off. And now they're Mm -hmm. like, my kids are grown and now can, you know, make it to school by themselves and I want to go back to work, but they've been out for five years. How would you, what would you suggest? they do to even begin 
Well, I'm glad that they're back, and I don't think that they should feel bad about being away or or feel like on the back foot because it happens. A lot of things happen in life, and I think that whoever is going to hire you should should understand this. And if someone is, if you feel on the back foot and judge for it, not the not the environment for you, first of all. So you don't want to be in a place like that, that is not going to accept that. But I would try to get back in it mentally. You don't want to go back into it and be like, oh, my family, my kids, and you know, like you have to get back into that work mode. And yes, you should be able to talk about your family and your kids, but probably not in like the first interview and like your first in your first 10 questions, you shouldn't say like, I need to do pickup at two thirty. you know, like <laughs> let's get to the offer and then like, you know, put that in, but make sure you're prepared mentally to be there like do you remember how it is going back into a full-time job is that really what you want and if it is then get back into that frame of mind especially when you're searching and really thinking about like what am I good at where do I want to do this what what can I commit to and how how can we you know like what feels right and maybe even do like a little bit of coaching you know professional coaching you know get your hype people in your life <laughs> and make sure that like they're helping you you know you feel ready for it um, and pumped to be there and then you the way that you you do not have to go too much into like why you took your time off and I don't in and if someone's going to ask you too much about it, like, you know, you know, you don't have to explain it. That's like your info. It doesn't take away the 15 years of experience that you've had. But I would just like get back into the industry, whatever, like reading trades, podcasts. There's just like talking to people. But, you know, it, it all hasn't turned up. So AI isn't doing everything for us yet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just curious too. Like, just on this note, because I I have a friend who's kind of going through this, but like, you kind of maybe left a field that you're like, ah, oh, it was okay, but I don't even know if I want to go back. Like, I feel like a lot of the struggle of folks who have left for a while is they're not even sure what they Where want to start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Well, then I think, so then it's like really, then you should do some professional coaching because that's where these people are really trained to figure out like what's important. I I do a little bit in in recruiting, but mostly people are on a path, but I have worked with people that are getting back into um, the workforce as well. But it's really thinking about like, Hey, if you're a mom, you're a project manager, you're a logistical expert, you're traffic, you know, you get, you, you can do all of these things, but like, do you want to do that? Like not outside of your family, you know, it doesn't mean it's just, I think it would really think about like, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? Where do you think you can add value? Because you really want to be adding value wherever you go. I think the more senior that we get, we want to make sure that we're making an impact that our work means something that, you know, we're leaving some sort of legacy behind in, in our professional life. So really thinking about where where that might work like you know if you're a mom coming back to work and you are coming out of this expertise of being a, a young parent mom like or, or or parent you can go into like honest you know like these these come there's so many companies that that hire you know experts in the in in the child care industry or so you know there's lots of jobs i I have lots of moms that'll be like, hey, do you work with this company? It's like a child, you know, like Melissa and Doug. And I'm like, oh, I do know someone there. You know, I can help you with that. But yeah, there's, there's, you know, lots of ways to discover, you know, companies or opportunities that might exist that you didn't know about. Yes. 
Can you talk a bit about like what you do, how, how you help people and make, just like even the different kinds of, like you mentioned career coaches. Like if I, if, if somebody uh-huh. doesn't even know what resource, like what kind of resources are out there to help folks in this negotiation job finding process? Yeah, sure. So I, I'm an executive recruiter at the core. So I work with companies, I get paid by companies to be a external recruiter expert that comes in and helps them on senior roles where like they're their current uh, recruitment recruiters don't have the expertise in marketing communications or product, or they have some expertise, but they just are overworked and they just have too much on. So I come in and help. So I curate a network constantly of executives in those three areas and a little bit beyond. And also like just through working with talent, like you end up being like a coach or a confidant. So I will always make sure when I talk to people, I always get to know them at the core of who they are because it's sometimes it's the little things that people mention and it just like really impacts like oh, actually, there was someone that loved urban farming. And then there's like actually a marketing role at an urban farm, you know, or something like wild stuff happens. But I just want to know all those things, you know, because like really mixing passions with your professional experiences. That's like real magic. But now there's a whole agricultural tech world that is out there. That's beautiful. But also I get to know people so well that they often call me like, hey, Kimberly, I have this job offer. I know it's not through you, but can you coach me through it? And I will do that. So I have a flat fee where I'll charge to go through the offer stage with someone. And usually it entails three calls. So like I get called when the offer is received or close to being received. And I do that like exercise of like, okay, where are we at financially? What's important to you? We do that whole like very detailed exercise then, you know, I will help them like get to a point of like, go back and ask for this. This is how you can ask for it. Sometimes I'll even write it and they can edit. And then they'll come back to me if it didn't, you know, like where we are. And there's up to three calls. And, you know, hey, it, it's a very nominal fee of $250. And, you know, you can make tens of tens of thousands more. So it's just one of those things that you just need an expert to weigh in. And I'll, I'll lean on my network of other recruiters and executives that have intel that we can use to get that offer up. That's great. That's a great resource. It's like hugely valuable. Yeah. So it is. It is. I wish I had it. I know. And, and, I was like, why, you why know? Did I have this when I <laughs> Thank you, Kimberly, so much. Because when I found out, first of all, I didn't know there were people like you who could help in negotiations. So I've been referring you to clients, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is great. Like, this is this is. It, it is so. Uh, important. I think just having an objective person who knows, you know, like you said, marketing product communications, that's like a, you know, like covers a lot like to, to know that yeah. you would know kind of what is out there is, is hugely valuable. And I think would give yeah, somebody right. the confidence that like, Oh, I can ask for this, whatever it is. Yeah, that's right. And then that, like I said, like when, when you realize the power you have at your fingertips, like recruiters have a lot of info, mm-hmm. you know, and we work on, especially executive recruiters, we're working on one to five roles at a time. So it's very, very concentrated and focused. So like I have a lot of info that I'm not using all the time. So I'm very happy to help with negotiations and, 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 you know, just answer questions and, you know, give out this info and spread it around. Cause I did I, like throughout my career, I've gotten so many times, especially from, you know, um, underrepresented, um, candidates, like, 
no one ever told me this before. Oh yeah. my God, you doubled my salary. I'm like, what? <laughs> you, this is not even, are you freaking, you know? And it just hit me that I was like, why aren't other recruiters doing this? But yeah. you need representation at the top. And that's what I'm here to, you know, um, make an impact as much as I can. That is awesome. So, have a good day. Have a nice Thank evening. Thank you so much for doing this. Ciao. Bye.